We're here to give him our all. Amen. Uh, just before we turn to the word, I'm going to have a word of prayer. And we're happy for everyone that is here. Uh, we're thankful for all that are also streaming part of the uh, internet family or congregation and uh, we're just happy for that we, we there are people that are joining in I hear from them almost every week from different ones different places different countries and uh, we're just uh, privileged to be able to be a part of their lives to be a part of your life and whether you're here visiting or whether you're a stranger or whether you've been here for many, many years, we're, we're here to be part of, part of your spiritual life. And we want things to be said. We want an atmosphere. And we don't want just some theology. We don't want just message theology. We want the God of Elijah, the God of William Branham, the God of Moses, to be here and to do things. Amen. We can speak about it, but we want him to do things. And I was very, very moved listening to a message this morning just before coming to service and getting ready. And I tell you what, the prophet was preaching, we would see Jesus. And we still want to see that same one. And he laid it right down the line. We as believers have every right to see him. And he asked the question, would you like to see him? Quite frankly, I don't want to just hear something. I want to see him. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Brother Tony and Sister Rebecca are leaving out tonight. And uh, we don't know how long they'll be gone this time, but they'll be making their uh, temporary residence at least in, in Beirut. And uh, we want to be remembering them in our prayers and praying especially that God will open some doors because it takes God to open the door. And when he does open the door, there's no mistake that he's doing it. And that's what we just really desperately want to see happen. And we're doing everything that we can uh, towards that end. But it's a difficult place, uh, difficult entrenched in religions, but God has worked in difficult places before. Amen. Wonderful. We're going to have communion service on March the 1st, so we're announcing it well ahead. And so, Brother Didier, you can arrange, please, if you would, for that Sunday to be free. I believe that's a Sunday that would be having a, normally a service in Seattle but it would be nice if the Seattle people can be here as well so they can just arrange to have their uh, service, Sunday service, maybe have two back, back to back so we can be free March the 1st. It's long overdue, and there's just been so many other things taking place that it's been hard to set a date. I was going to have it next Sunday, but next Sunday evening, uh, February 22nd, is the Sunday evening when the senior camp is concluding, Brother Danny Stevens is going to be uh, speaking of the camp for the senior young people, 
and we're going to have him here for Sunday night. So it'll be real tight. He'll be speaking at the camp Sunday morning, and we wish to have him here Sunday night. So uh, we, we, we know that you senior young people are going to have a glorious time, and we believe in his presence. That's what we want to do. We want to be Brother Danny Steeman's father, you know, just to let you know, I was, I was actually speaking in Brother Tom Brown's house. That was Sister Tammy LaRue's dad's place. Sister Tammy was in the meeting. And Danny Steeman's dad was not converted yet. He's been pastoring a long time down Florida, but he wasn't saved yet. But his wife was. So she was in the meeting, and he was driving outside shaking his fist. He was so, he was so upset that she was a believer. So I say, God can do hard. He can crack hard nuts. And Brother John Steeman became a wonderful pastor. Been a very dear friend all these years. So you can shake your fist all you want, but if God's got a hold of you, you're going to come. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. It's the kind of God we serve. You can turn to Matthew, if you would, please. The 25th chapter. I have three places to read, just short scriptures, and then keep your Bible, if you would, to be ready. Nice to see our brother and sister, uh, sister Clara, brother Clara from Edmonton. God bless you. Hi. Always nice to, not only nice to have you, thank you for your daughter. <laughs> She's been a wonderful asset here to the school. <laughs> Here's Matthew. I wonder why he's here. <laughs> Matthew Wilson. My goodness. It's going to be a busy year. <clears throat> Just before we read, let us pray. Our dear Father, we are so indebted to you. We're so humbled in your presence, realizing that, man, we can do nothing. We can only submit ourselves. We can only yield ourselves. And so we're here today, Lord, to yield and give ourselves to you. We're praying, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will take charge of every person. Lord, as your prophet with his authority took control and brought every spirit, human spirit, in subjection to the will of God. I pray that you will honor the prayers I ask that you will bring every human spirit and mind and thought into captivity to the will and mind of God. And Father, you'll take control of each one, the hearer and the speaker, in Jesus Christ's name, we ask it. Amen. Uh, reading Matthew 25 and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now you can keep your finger in that part of the Bible because I'm going to be going back there after a bit. I wish a second reading in First Peter the fourth chapter, verses 10 and 11. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another 
as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do so, do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And in 1 Corinthians, uh, the fourth chapter, I wish to read verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I have been so impressed with the scripture that the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and writing to them about. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. What a stewardship. And moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Amen. God bless you as you have your seats. <clears throat> I would like you to be as a, just a, that God would give you real attentive spirits and, and uh, just as little movement as possible, please. Sometimes when we approach a, a subject, uh, we feel a wee bit uh, apprehensive perhaps because not of the subject, but because we just don't know exactly how we should perhaps be approaching it and to take a subject that can be so large and so enormous, so massive, you don't know how to uh, distill it down so it can be concise and precise thoughts in, in the time that we have. But I want to speak on stewardship. And that... I probably won't get done it, done the subject just now. But I wish to take it perhaps in a different direction than the title might in, uh, indicate. Uh, a steward, first we want to establish what a steward is as far as the scripture is, is how the scripture uses it. Uh, a steward is uh, the manager of household affairs. Actually, a steward is as a manager or one to whom the head of a house has entrusted the management of his affairs as Abraham had Eliezer as his steward. And, uh, and he sent him to get Isaac's wife, to get Rebekah. But he entrusted everything to him. A steward has the duty of dealing out the proper uh, portion to every servant and even to the children not yet of age. So there may be children that are immature, as there is in the household of God, in the household of faith, as there is in the church. There's those that perhaps have not matured spiritually, but we have duty, not just myself, we all have a duty uh, over certain things that God has entrusted to us. Result, he's in an increase. A steward is all come from a second word, compound word, which is simply house. This is God's house. 
I was going to have Brother Tabernacle, or of the human body, and I'm going to be speaking some about that. This human body, we have a stewardship about that because it's the abode of the Holy Spirit, and we have a responsibility to that. There was a quote out of this message that we would see Jesus, and that's why I heard the, I wanted to hear the entire service last night and this morning, which I did. And I was really struck by this uh, phrase. Now I'm going to just go slowly and take my time, if you don't mind. This was in Tifton, Georgia, in 1960. And Brother Branham said, it's a privilege to be here in Tifton. He said, little did I ever know that I would be taking the judge's place. Just opening the, he's just opening the service. Little did I ever know that I would be taking the judge's place. I'm coming to represent the judge tonight, the judge of heaven. And when I read those words, I can tell you that I, I, I just almost trembled inwardly as to what would the rest of the service yield. What was the, what was the rest of the service? I've come to take the judge's place tonight, the judge of heaven. I can tell you one thing. He made the people of Tifton, Georgia, responsible with the rest of this service. We would see Jesus tonight. He talked about the Jew, the Greeks had wanted to see Jesus. And then, then he spent most of the service on telling Peter his name. You're Peter. You're the son of uh, Cephas. You're the son of Jonah. And then he went on about Nathaniel. And then he spent time about Abraham, Sodom, the servant, how does Elohim, God, represented in a body, in a flesh. And then, and then finally, called the people up, called maybe 20 or 25 people up. And the tape doesn't go through all of the uh, prayer line. I think there was about six people, and I believe five of them, he just told them their name. Because he just said how Nathaniel, and then the woman at the well, and he laid it on, sir, we would see Jesus. He said, don't look at my flesh. He said, but this is him. And I tell you what, friends, this is the message that has given us birth. This is the word that has given us, and that Jesus... He just said, and he, he laid it out that every believer, you have a right to claim and to say this Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we really believe what he did yesterday, he's, he's not only able, I, I don't want to go by that, he will do the same today. Because he can't change. He can't change in his nature. And he said, if you discover what he was, that's what he is. Do you believe that? If we can just come into that atmosphere, I just prayed, God, help us. Just to come into that very atmosphere. A believing atmosphere. Not a reasoning atmosphere. Not a doubting atmosphere. But just we can say, I believe that. 
That God came on the scene. Amen. That was God that came on the scene in this generation. Amen. And he went on to say, he said, uh, and I'm thinking as I walked in the door and looked at this people and the way they were situated to know this, that one day there will come a time where we will all meet again if we never meet anymore until then and we'll be at another judgment seat and there we will give an account of what we have done and what we do tonight, what we say and our actions and whether we are able to accept what we hear and to believe on the works of the Holy Spirit. That was his opening comment. And that group of people can't be any different than this group of people or myself. I feel that we are, I want to emphasize our responsibility to the message that God has sent us. And it's a solemn responsibility. It would probably be a solemn service, but I want you to hear what's on my heart. He says, and that being the case, it makes us rather tremble to think that what will take place at that day if our sins are not under the blood. So now there's two things, and my wife and I are just speaking, she said, I think a lot of people have questions about do we come to the judgment? No, we're not talking about the white throne judgment. When we're born and birthed into the kingdom of God, I said, I cannot become an, a non-biscal. I cannot become a non-son or daughter of God. We can't do anything. That's finished. We're born of the, born of the word, the incorruptible seed of God. That will never be taken. And sin that's under the blood can never be called, can never be called to account for. Never. But on the other hand, then God entrusts us with certain things and talents and whatever more, which I want to go more into now this morning. And that we are accountable for. Whether we've been a good steward or we have not been a good steward. Whether we have conducted the affairs of our father uh, with integrity or, or if we've been slipshod about the whole thing and just sliding along. We will be accountable. We are accountable for that. And especially accountable for what we have done and how we have uh, handled and received what God has sent. Amen. We're merely stewards or custodians of all that we are and possess. We are merely custodians. We're merely stewards of it. Now, everything that we are and or can be has been entrusted to us. Now, you'll have to get this first part of the service very, very clearly and get it established. I don't want you to be confused at all in your mind. On one hand, in one sense, uh, God has given us, uh, entrusted to us things, and through the scriptures and in our own language, we, we say it's ours, it's mine, and in one sense it is. It's yours to have, it's yours. It says my children, you know, my family, my job, my home, my life, my health, all of that. It's fine, you can say that, and in one sense that is true. In another sense it's not true, because it can slip away in a moment. It can just be gone in an instant. 
And so it is something that has been entrusted to you. David said in the Psalms, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, uh, the world, and, and they that dwell therein. It's all God's. The Bible says also in Job, and I'm going to be using a lot of scriptures, says in Job, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. That's His breath has given me life. And so there's many references, and I've looked at the references, we won't have time to go into them, but we, we can say, as I said a moment ago, my life, my home, my wife, my children, my job, my time, my life, my health, all of these things, my money, my rights, all of those things, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. We use that phrase. The Bible uses that phrase. Uses it, and, and God acknowledges that you are to exercise ownership in a sense. But I prefer to call this ownership a responsibility of stewardship rather than ownership. We don't actually own it. It all has been entrusted to us. Your health could be gone before you leave this building. Your life could be gone before you leave this building. We don't have any guarantee, whether we're young, whether we're old, or what, whether we appear to be the, the most uh, physically fit in the whole congregation. It could be gone in just a moment. And we all, we all recognize that. In the scripture it says in Luke's gospel, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Jesus is saying it's your life. What you shall eat, or neither for the body what you shall put on. So the, the gospel is speaking about it. He says in, in Colossians, Apostle Paul says, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. In James, James has said, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? He's asking the question. What is your life? It's even as a vapor that appeareth for a little while, a little time, and then vanisheth away. So the Bible is acknowledging your life. What is your life? It's even as a vapor. So in one sense, we refer to these things as being ours. And yet in another sense, we don't own anything. Do you recognize what I'm saying? Everything, everything, in other words, has been entrusted to us. Everything has been entrusted to us. I want you to really think that one over. Everything has been entrusted to you. I'm going to break this down into certain categories this morning, and of course I can't even begin to cover the subject. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, the scripture says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So now we're taking a little twist. Which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own. What is your life? Your life is hid with Christ and God. And now Apostle Paul is taking it, uh, indexing it around and saying, you're not your own. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yet we are responsible as stewards and have of what we've been given. 
We've been given a charge or a responsibility or a stewardship to return to the owner what he has entrusted to us with increase. So I'm taking it now a step further. Not just what he's given to you, but God expects, and I can show it to you all through the scripture, God expects an increase, and if he doesn't receive an increase, he calls that servant untrustworthy. So Jesus teaches on the talents, and I read one scripture from the talents, and I'm going to be going into it in some depth because I think that the way Jesus, the greatest preacher that ever lived, took the word and how his thought continued on. You need to get into his channel. And we want to get into his channel this morning. We must in order for me to get uh, my burden delivered. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own stewards and delivered. He delivered unto them. And this word delivered, he, he gave over to them. He gave them something to keep. He delivered to them. He gave them something to use. He gave them something to take care of. And he gave them something to manage. He delivered unto them. And it even goes further than that. He reached out to us by delivering And what I'm speaking about, he delivered his goods. What is it that he delivered to us in this time? I can tell you he delivered to us something of his own thoughts and mind, which had been sealed up for all the centuries and millennia of time. They'd been sealed up from the very beginning. What had been sealed with seven seals, I'm talking about those goods. I'm talking about his spoken word. I'm talking about his, the revelation of his word. He never had delivered it to any generation. But then finally in the end time, he's going to actually present it. He's going to deliver it. He's going to put it into our charge. He's going to entrust us with it. And he's going to watch over to see what we do with it. It is something that he gives over to one's care. Commits it to them. He commits it for the purpose of observance. A religious, a sincere observance. Quite frankly, I don't think any of us, including myself, are nearly as sincere with this message as we ought to be. We are caught, and I don't mean this to be in a derogatory sense or this to be in a negative way, but sometimes we have to look at negative things to become positive. We are caught in the vortex the the just a almost uncontrollable we don't have control of the world and it's just a a whirling vortex and satan has designed everything 
We're not going to outsmart him. He's a cunning enemy. He's div- he, he, he uses all kind of invention and devices to entrap and to ensnare and, and, and to just to occupy. He occupies our minds and occupies our time and occupies our energy and wears us out on the treadmill as it were. Is that not so? This is Satan's Eden. And it will take some, it'll take divine strength and guidance for us to be able to isolate ourselves in the midst of this age, to isolate ourselves to a place where God really would have us to be. Isolate ourselves mentally so we're not worn out mentally with every, all the activity and all the things that, of the world, be it education or be it business or be it cares of life or be it the deceitfulness of riches or whatever it might be or burdens and, and all of these things. It, it will take all the, all the spiritual fortitude to isolate ourselves from those things. Brother Branham said in sign of his coming there has been a message give to the elect too the word the sign and to some he gave five talents to one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. And further down, and he that received five talents came and brought other five talents. These are just selected verses. And also that had received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast... And then, uh, verse 23, let me just go here where I... Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. I'm suggesting to you, and I intend to, I intend to really make it very, very emphatic that what has been entrusted to us is not... He didn't entrust us with history. He didn't just entrust us with a book called the Bible. We're not going to be called and said, Okay, Lord, here's the Bible. You delivered the Bible to me. I give it back to you. He's not going to say, uh, You know, I delivered... uh, What did you do with the just shall live by faith? That's not what he's going to ask this generation. He's not going to say, what did you do with, uh, with what I revealed to John Wesley and that whole movement at that time? Are you sanctified? He's not going to ask that. 
He's not going to say, did you ever speak in tongues? And did you, uh, uh, did you have some manifestation of the Spirit as I poured out on Pentecost? That's not what he's going to ask. He's going to say, I sent my faithful spirit, Elijah the prophet, with my word in his mouth. And you and your scientific age have even seen where the light, my light, struck the lens of a scientific camera. And you have seen that, and you've hung it on your walls. You've had it in your bookshelf. You've heard a voice, and you, you know well that he was speaking to strangers. And you, you, you knew that I knew Sarah's name when I spoke to Abraham, the father of the faith, who you feel connected to as a child of faith. And you saw how I called people by name uh, uh, when God himself, I in my fullness, was embodied in the body of Jesus Christ and stood and called them by name and told them the secret of their heart. And now in this age, not for 2,000 years, not from that coming to this coming, has the world seen anything like that. And now you have had ready access to it. I even came and spoke it in your language. So there'd be no mistake. And I entrusted this to you. I didn't entrust it to people of other languages. I came in this language. I came in a, in a land of plenty. I came and blessed the nation. I came and gave them all that was required. So they could take a hold of what I had entrusted to them. Not one talent and not two talents and not five talents. I gave them all. All that had been held as a mystery. And I exposed the very heart of God by bosom to this generation. And I put it into your hands. I came and extended myself to you. I, I, I delivered it to you. I delivered it in a way that you could not mistake it. I delivered it so you could carry it in your pocket. And put it in your ear. And hear this word. And he's going to ask, what did you do with it? Hello? And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at, thy, at, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. God is interested, don't forget this, God is interested in increase. Whether it's a little increase or a large increase, but he's interested in increase. I fear for people to say, oh, years ago, I, oh, I had such victory. And years ago, uh, years ago, I had such a life with Christ. Years ago, I had such a communion. That's not what God wants to hear. God wants to hear people say, I wouldn't want to be back there. I have advanced from that. Oh, how the word has come alive. How I'm walking in his presence now. I'm not where I used to be in that childhood days. 
Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. To everyone that hath shall be given and he and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't come and ask me is that hell or is that this or whatever. All I want to tell you is I don't intend to go there. I don't intend to end up in that state. I don't want to be where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And we don't have to. God has entrusted. I am here today as his servant telling you God has entrusted to us something. He didn't even give Martin Luther. He didn't give the martyrs in the past. He gave it to you. What an honored people. I don't have to sit here and tell you how honored you are. God has... God has done what he's done. Now watch. <clears throat> and then he just says, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then, then he breaks right into another subject. But he's following straight through. I want you to watch this very close. When the Son of Man, this is verse 31 of Matthew 25. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, now he's stepped from where he is. Right to our time. There's just a, there's a 2,000 plus year lapse here now. And he's taken a quantum leap. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from the other. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. Now he has come to the white throne. So the first part is the talents of what has been entrusted to the people. To those he delivered all of his goods. I can tell you. He didn't deliver all of his goods to the goats. So now he's coming and he shall, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand. Uh, but the goats on his left. Brother Branham said there isn't, we, we, there isn't enough emphasis put upon rewards. Why is he saying that? Because a person can have a greater reward or a lesser reward. Then shall the king say to them on the right hand. Notice now. Then shall the king say to him. We're following right along in perfect continuity. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand. Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered and you gave me meat. I want you to notice what he says. I was unhungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in let me just stop here he wasn't just needing he wasn't hungry just for some church services he wasn't just hungry for some light fellowship. 
he wasn't even just hungry for a nice musical presentation where they had the choir singing, our sister Melissa played, and all these things are nice and lovely. But it needs to bring you into a certain atmosphere. And it's even how you can hear somebody sing or hear somebody play or hear, hear somebody preach. I'm not here to give you some intellectual exercise. I'm here that you might allow these things to sink into the deep recess of your soul and say, God, however it's spoken, whether he's loud or whether he's quiet or whether the church is cold or whether it's hot, help me to get a hold of what this moment, help me to seize this moment. I was a stranger and you took me in naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say, Lord, when did we see you hungered? I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't believe I ever saw you hungry. And we fed you. I've tried to get a point across to this congregation for a long time, and today I felt I'm going to really, really strongly emphasize it. If, if there has been any blessing upon this congregation, if there has been any blessing upon Cloverdale Bible Way, it is solely on one subject. The pivotal point is we took what God has delivered to us and did everything within our strength to feed somebody else who's hungry. Feed that which we have ate. Friends, I'm not interested in anybody else's ideas. I'm not interested in Christian psychologists. I'm not interested in other books. I'm interested in the message that came in this time. There are depths of truth and depths of revelation that I know I haven't touched. Listen to me. Maybe you're way beyond me. But I can read some of the simplest things as I read the opening phrases of this message in Tifton, Georgia. And as soon as I read those opening words... The judge is here, and I'm representing him. I could not come to this pulpit till I had heard that whole service. Let me grasp. Let me understand. What is it that you're telling us? What is it that you're laying out for this generation? What is it that, this, what is it that I must lay a hold of? Do you know why, friends? Because every person that I'm speaking to, including myself, we're going to pass from this little scene either by the rapture or by the resurrection one way or the other but I want to hear well done we must hear it we must hear it and why would we let the devil in this world uh, rob us of that, those words why would we allow him to absorb us to distract us to swallow us up in all its vain empty ashes 
Say amen if you believe it. And we exert ourselves and we wear ourselves out and we just churn ourselves and all, all the mental strain and all the, all the turmoil we go through. For what? When did we see you as a stranger? When did we see you naked and put clothing on you? Brother Branham said clearly he's been sent. And if he can get this bride to stand still long enough, he'll clothe her in the robes. You can have the finest garment or whatever kind of garment. This isn't even, God bless Brother Richard and the men of vision, whatever more, sending clothing. And, and I think that's a part of it. But that's very much secondary to taking this word and getting it to somebody so that their soul has been clothed in righteousness. And they've had the opportunity to believe it. Because when Abraham believed, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And the bride, the bride, are you listening to me? The bride was arrayed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. That's what we've been entrusted with. You've got the cloth. You've got the righteousness. You've got the robe. I, he said, was naked. And you clothed me. We did? When did I clothe you, Lord? Oh, when you either lived, you manifested in a certain way, you demonstrated, you actually lived the very word that I sent, you gave a message book, you gave a tape, and someone had the opportunity and that was my seed in them craving for this. And you gave them the opportunity to believe. And they believed and became clothed with the bride's robe. Am I off in left field or do you understand? God bless you. When saw we thee sick or in prison, came unto thee, and the king shall answer and say unto them, O king, let me hear, let me hear these words. And the king shall say, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. That's not giving some panhandler on the street a dollar or five dollars to go in and get a hamburger. That's not what he's talking about. All the hamburger in the world isn't worth one of these verses. I say, Hallelujah, O King! I say to this congregation, don't you want to hear the king? And the king shall come and say, Blessed are ye, 
I was a stranger and you took me not in. He speaks to the others. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Brother Branham says, in the arrow of God's deliverance, God loves the truth. The truth shall set you free. God wants you to know the truth. Christ is the truth, the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost is in you, He feeds on the Word of God and not on televisions and true story magazines and love books. This, I've never seen such an insanity as seems to be upon the people. Valentine's used to be something that, you know, when I was a boy, they, you know, they'd make, make, make some little heart and so on and, and, and make a card and in school let the kids take it home to their mom and dad. Here, the newspaper, I got a newspaper this last week, and it's just absolutely, I mean, uh, the adults have gone insane. The whole country's insane. They got uh, huge articles on kissing and all kinds of love and places to go and the travel industry. That isn't this absolutely absurd? Isn't this bizarre? Isn't this wild? You know what it is? It's satanic. It's demonic. God deliver us from that. Even the less we see of it, the less contact we have, the better off we are. He said, that's you people calling yourselves Christians, wrap yourself up in. Why do your children? He said, just look here. In less than three months' time, every teenage kid in the country, from five years old to 18, knew Davy Cro- who Davy Crockett was. Now, Brother Bram's not taking up our time to waste our time. He's not just telling us some little stories. He's nailing down principles of life says the Holy Spirit feeds on the word he says all out on the street singing Davy Crockett some kind of fiction story nonsense killed a bear when he was three years old he says how crazy but the kids will wear coonskin caps and everything else and guns on their side oh he says a ten cent store just full of it everywhere everywhere else he says and you Christians now and you Christians with the message of God now don't tell me that he's just talking to somebody back there and you Christians us Christians with the message of God in the world could put that over and sell a lot of nonsense and stuff to kids he says how much more how much more Can I hear an amen? How much more ought the Christians to put over the program of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost, the resurrection and eternal life and the coming of the Lord? How much more? How much more? He didn't deliver it 
He didn't deliver this message to the university. He didn't open up the seven seals. Who knows about the serpent seed? You should be able to say, I do. Who knows about the tribulation? I do. Who knows about the change of the body? I do. Who knows about Melchizedek? I do. Who knows about the theophany standing beside you? I do. You do. Hallelujah. How how come you know? How come you can say I do? Because it's been delivered to you. He delivered not his goods. He delivered, are you listening to me? He delivered all his goods. So there be no secret left. There be no mystery left. I'll open it all. I'll deliver it to them. Hand deliver it to them. I'll deliver it to them in their language. I'll deliver it to them in humility. I'll deliver it to them with the same signs that I did in Jesus Christ. I'll deliver it with the same power accompanying it. I'll deliver it so it is proven to be me. I'll prove it over and over again. There'll be no mistake. I'm delivering all the talents to them. And then I'll call men. I'll call women. Certain. And give skills. And abilities. Severally. As I will. So they can fulfill. The ultimate purpose. Of delivering. And making certain. That every place I'm hungry, I'll get food. And where I'm naked, I'll be clothed. And where I'm sick and wounded, I'll be healed. Hallelujah. You don't know what's going through my heart right now. I've I've had to answer emails this last week. Why are you going to these people? Why are you going to them? And I had to write a pastor... Because the people are wounded. Because these people are hurt. Because these people, one who claimed to be their pastor, betrayed them terribly. And they lost confidence. And they lost respect. And they're scattered. They're isolated. And they're crying. And I hear them. They're saying, will you come? Sometimes this body that is getting some years on it starts to put some restraint. I don't want to go through that jet lag. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to. I don't want to sit in a room from morning till night. I don't want my wife to just sit there. I think we should be able to maybe start enjoying a little bit of life. I've sat in rooms, in hotel rooms, and little rooms, and houses, and so on. I've spent thousands of hours there. Why? Somebody needs to be clothed. Somebody needs to be healed. Somebody's calling, and I hear a cry. And you people have to know what it is I personally am responding to. 
And you've got somebody, it might even be in your own family, it might even be in your own home, it might be your own children, crying to see the kind of, they read it and they hear it over the pulpit, now they want to see it in mom and dad. And they have a right to see it. They want to see it in the church. Hallelujah. They hear about this great supernatural God. I'm here today to declare He's here now. He's with us now. And why little Bethlehem? He said, come and stand by my side. A prophet calling, come and stand by my side. Who stands in the terrible place. He considered himself standing in a terrible place. He said, I challenge you today. These types go over the world. He didn't say, I go over the world. These types go over the world. This voice goes over the world. This message goes over the world. He stands in a terrible place. What a place of responsibility. I'm not preaching you a sermon. I'm telling you I'm making a declaration today. And he delivered it. Hand delivered it to you. You got it on your shelves. You got it in your books. You have it beside your bed. And that's not where it's supposed to stay. It goes beyond that. You might say, I can, I can just feel it. Oh, oh, what can I do? Even if you've got one. Even if you've got one talent. You better not be hiding it. Because he's going to come back and say, what did you do with this one talent? Well, I just felt that I couldn't. I just felt I'm just a woman. I'm just this. I'm just a young person. I could tell you story after story, account after account. And the prophet said, if you're a housewife, be the best housewife. Your mother, be the best mother. And he says, he says these tapes go over the world. He said, I challenge some men, some warriors who loves Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I believe it was, Timothy Moore left for Vietnam. He's probably there right now. This congregation, if we can't do anything else, we can't go there, we can't be with him. But one thing you can do is prevail upon a God. Oh, Father, send the Holy Spirit into that little man. And may he have a burning like he's never experienced before. May he realize what he's been entrusted with. May, may, he, be, may he be directed right, right to the very doorstep. Right to the very place of somebody who's hungering. That you might be fed. And he says. He said I challenge some man, some warriors who loves Jesus Christ. That knows that these things has got to be fulfilled. Brethren come and stand by my side. And pull the word of God. Forget those dry cisterns and stagnated denominations. You might say. Well I'm not in the denomination. Sometimes people are, are drawing on, on their mind. On their reasoning. What they think it is. And it's not the word of God at all. He, draw on this word. He said Jesus is desiring a drink. Of fresh Pentecostal water. He's not wanting a drink of some history. He said that's his desire today. Back to the original Pentecost. 
Hallelujah. Pentecost wasn't just some emotionalism. Pentecost was an experience that attracted others. Hallelujah. May the fire of God burn in this congregation. Tell people everywhere, whether it be Linden, Bellingham, Seattle, Vancouver, may they see it. May they hear it. And the elect will come. There's a couple of a couple of phrases which I put my feet on and they're so wonderful so solid the prophet of God said don't forget this the bride is attracted to the bridegroom I've got some serious things to say the bridegroom is the revealed word Rebecca was not content to hear Eliezer just telling her about Isaac. I want to see him. Will you go with this man? Yes, I will go. She wants to see Isaac. The bride is attracted to the bridegroom. That's where I put one of my feet. And the other one is... All that the Father hath given me shall come, and I will lose none of them. What's been entrusted to you is a word that will actually show, put it right on the screen, either in your face, in your life, in your conversation, in your home, or wherever it might be, at your job or wherever more. It will show visibly the bridegroom and they see that and when I preach if I fail to bring people face to face with the bridegroom I feel that I failed in my calling I don't only want you to see him I want him to be so visible I want him I want you to feel it I want you to be quivering down in your soul, in the recesses of your soul. Say, this is gripping me. Fine. Worship him. He's worthy of worship. So it's him that hungers. It's him that thirsts. And he's thirsting for the word. Hear me good. He's not thirsting for your explanation. The best thing you can do is give them the word itself. And that is why I'm so obsessed. And you might as well give up and ever trying to change me because I'm too far down the road. And I'm obsessed in seeing people get it, get the message in their language. They need to hear it. They need to see it. And God's going God's to open their eyes and the revelation. What I see happening in China is just so gripping. So gripping. It's God. But you know, some of you young people, you're going to come up and say, when, when did I see you hungry? Remember? Remember when you took this activity, you did something? And you all got together 
and you have those messages printed? Or remember when you spoke to that person and you invited them and they came they came to the house of God and they heard, remember that? Yeah, but I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was you that was hungry. Remember when that one came and believed? Oh, how precious. How wonderful it is. Sister Lynn Frangos, I gave your testimony or part of it. And I have given it several times, and I hope it'll be fine. A lot of you folks know Brother Paul, Sister Lynn. And it was Brother Paul's birthday, I believe, and he asked if Sister Lynn would accompany him to church. Isn't that about it? on the way in the car, so would it be all right if we just play some Christian music? Okay, I'll be fine. The Holy Spirit had not, had not really revealed Christ to her at that moment yet. And if I have it correct, I believe it was while they're driving in the car, and Lynn says, who cares? Nobody cares. Who cares anyway? And they drove to church. And when they got here, and Paul wanted to read some scripture, and I, think, I believe at the breakfast table, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, and he read Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when they came to church, I believe they sat right here in front. And Brother Tom, servant of God, came out, stood at the pulpit and said, Who cares? <laughs> said, Jesus cares. Who do you think that was for? Who do you think that was for? and open up his Bible and read Psalms 23. I could say Sister Lynn Frangos could never forget that experience. Do you know why? It was God, through her husband, through a servant, delivering his message to her. Here it is. Hallelujah, Sister Lynn. Glory to God. Can I have just a little more time? We must look upon everything that we are or possess as given by God for the furtherance of His kingdom and his eternal purpose. And we must not allow the world to subvert, cloud or confuse that objective. God's eternal purpose must not be lost in the swirl of this world's 
activity and events. When the eternal objective is held in sharp focus, then and only then will life's labors be a satisfying fulfillment to us. Jesus said that unto one he gave five talents, into another two, into another one, and to every man according to his several ability. His ability is his power or his strength or his might or hers. Inherent, inherent power. People, there are people here that have mental abilities. I'll, I'll never, never even, I couldn't even be in their dust. There's people here that have certain qualities of, of character, nature. And you might think, you know, I have people that I respect and so on, but I look at people, I study people, I'm a great student of people. And I look at people in the congregation and I, I see things. I see it in the young people, I see it in certain individuals, and I see things that I really yearn for. I say, that's lovely. That's Christ. That's your spirit. And I admire it. And I yearn to attain to that. You say, Brother Bisco, are you at your age? Absolutely. And I never lose that. I think that's a good pattern to follow. Listen closely, and to everyone, there are several ability. Some have physical strength, some have mental skills and mental powers. But always remember this, as the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We're stewards, and now I'm breaking it down. You're stewards of your time. God has given every person that I'm speaking to in this building, in the fellowship room, in the nursery, you on the internet, or whoever will hear this, I want to make this statement. God has actually given you an allotment of time. Some are shorter, some are average. And some may be longer. But God gave that to you, entrusted that to you. Not so that we came to the end and we said, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I've, I've lived my life out. That isn't what he's going to ask. I've got to be honest now. He's going to say, I gave you 42 years. No, I gave you 55 years. I gave you 67 years. I gave you, Ed Biscoe, 74 years or 75 years. What did you do with that allotment? Well, I worked, or I bought, and I sold. And what did you do with that? What did you do with this allotment of time? And many will say, not believers, but they'll say, well, I ate, drank, and I was merry. And thus you receive your reward. 
a woman may say, with the time that you gave me on earth, I bore some children to my husband. I cradled those babies. I told them of Jesus Christ. I read to them the scriptures. I let them know that God had sent a messenger to our time. And I had such deep respect for that, and I tried to convey that over to them and to instill in them. And during that time, I sought to watch over my mouth and our conversation. Brother Branham says, those children who called Elijah, oh, you bald head, they heard it at the dinner table. What have your children heard at the dinner table recently? I said this would be serious, I forewarned you. God's going to hold you accountable for what your children hear at the dinner table. Oh, we spend our time talking about this and talking about that, criticizing this and criticizing that. God's going to hold you accountable for that. And then your children raise up and said, well, we were disrespectful to the deacons, or well, we said things were disrespectful to the ministry. And then you think that your children are going to be raised and have respect? No, they'll never have respect. Or you were just loose about the, uh, you were just loose about the message and about the gathering. Yeah, well, the prophet said we should be waiting at the doors when the service opens. But, you know, I don't think that Wednesday's important. I don't think Sunday night's important if we, we're, we're Sunday morning go to church people. I don't think it's good enough. I don't think God thinks it's good enough. And furthermore, I believe that God's going to hold you accountable. What do you think Brother Branham was saying when he said, instead of being to the prayer meeting, they were watching I Love Susie or something else? So, so maybe you weren't watching I Love Susie. You don't have a television. That's great. But maybe we're doing something else that is just... We're all caught up in, and so instead of being in the house of God, instead of having the opportunity to shake somebody's hand and say, God bless you, sister, God bless you, brother, and instead of being able to say, amen, amen, brother, amen, pastor, and letting him know I'm behind you, I'm supporting, I'm part of this whole work. The offering comes by, don't go by the offering box because they, because, not because a pastor calls on her, we got some gimmick or selling some book, because a prophet says that, that believers tithe. Does 100% of this congregation believe that? You believe that's what Elijah said? He said that giving is a part of worship. And so we're going to be accountable for our time. We're going to be accountable for our possessions. 
And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. That's the scripture. And if God puts things into your hands, and there's some you may say, I've had people in the congregation, and some God has entrusted great possessions to them. And others God has called, called them quickly, called them while they were sitting in their chair, and I had to personally go and gather all their possessions and store them in my garage. And there was no family, no children, no wife, no one else, and I had to spend the time sorting it out, one piece of paper at a time, one book at a time, found a cashier's check for $6,500 and I had to give it to the government. He was a lovely believer and all his possessions went to the government. And I said, I said to the administrator, I said, where does this, where does this money go? It, just into a slush fund. Just goes into a slush fund and the government spends it for whatever they want. If I were a steward, I think to be a good steward, I'd say I would want that to continue. I'd want that to go someplace where it's going to do something. For believers, for the kingdom of God, I don't have any children. I don't have, I, I don't, I, I, I don't say, uh, you know, a negative thing about the brother at all. It was just, he just went through life and, and uh, carried on. But I didn't think it was if you ask me, is that good stewardship? I say, no, I don't think it's good stewardship. I believe that a man has a responsibility to his family, to his wife, to his children. Riches are deceitful. If God puts something in your hand, don't forget, it's not for you alone. It's for your family, for the work of God. For the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, He also that received the seed among the thorns is he. Don't he receive the seed among the thorns? Is he that heareth the word? And, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And the deceitfulness is simply deceiving. Riches are deceiving. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. You know, when you're choked, it may not happen in five minutes. may not happen in a day. may not happen in a year. But it will eventually choke the word. And the Bible says, and it becometh unfruitful. Brother Branham in his life story. Am I taking too long? He was telling about his early life when he and his wife, when they were young, he said, but friends, he said, it was just a paradise on earth. He said, we had each other. He said, I'd become converted in that time, become a minister, and was preaching. And I loved the Lord with all my heart. And we loved one another. And that's all we cared for. And listen, happiness does not consist of how much of this world's goods you own, but how contented you are with the portion that's allotted to you. Do you know there's people that have vast possessions and they, they're not content, they're not happy. 
I've never told this, but the brother that led us into the ministry, he worked for some very, very, an exclusive group of very, very wealthy people. And there was a, there was a gentleman, uh, and he owned, a, he owned a wire manufacturing company. His name will just come back to me in a moment. And down in the Midwest, maybe around Wisconsin or Chicago or someplace, Kitzeman was his name, Kitzeman Wire. And he was not a well man. He became sick. And he built, um, he built this mansion of several stories. And he built it on a turntable because he needed to have uh, sunshine. And every floor was a complete living. Every floor, massive. Every floor. In case he was on the fourth floor, didn't want to go downstairs. He just stayed up there. But as the sun went, went one direction to the other, he just turned the entire house so he could always have the sunshine. Mr. Kitzeman and Brother Chet McGriff worked for him with his own personal landscaper and advisor on his yard and so on. And that man had something wrong with his stomach. And he said, I would give all that I have just to have a healthy stomach. And then people would look at that and say, oh, oh, didn't mean nothing. All of that mansion and all of that wealth and all of that factory and all of that money and all of that esteem and all of that glory was only worth just a piece of flesh called a stomach. Are you listening to me? Our possessions don't mean anything. Just give me a few more minutes and I'll, I'll be, I'm going to just close whether I'm done or not in about 15 minutes. So you know, at a quarter to one I'm quitting. You may not have thought about this, but God has allotted you your health. I'm going to say some things. You've read articles I have to eat yourself to death. Some of this refined food, you think it's the devil trying to make you healthy? He's trying to make you sick. I'm not a, a health nut, but I like to eat healthy. I think we should eat healthy. Say amen if you want. I think that we, I, I, I believe that your health has been a sacred trust to you. I've actually sat down and had serious talk with my wife. I said, we have a responsibility to our children to live as healthy as we can, to be as active as we can, to be as alert as we can, to be mother and dad as long as we can. We have a duty to them. Some affliction might come. I just thought I'd throw that in. Do what you want with it. But I want you to take it seriously. I believe that your health is a, in, something that's been entrusted to you by God. And quite frankly, I wouldn't just live on a bunch of fast foods and a bunch of bags of this and bags of that and, you know, uh, uh, 
go, go down to the garden, find somebody. You're going to think I'm way off, but go and get some, uh, you know, healthy food or organic something or whatever more. Anyhow, do like Brother Garrett. So, anyway. Do you want a scripture? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You're not your own. That your body belongs to God. It's a gift from God. Your health is a gift from God. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Okay. I'll take my glasses off so I don't have to have very accurate vision out there. There's people, and they might even be in this congregation, might be listening to the sound of my voice. And some, some doctor who hasn't got any more interest than you're just a statistic in his books and gives you some, uh, some medication because you're manic depressant. Well, I'm afraid to give you advice, but I don't think I'd take them. I had that herniated disc in my neck. And uh, Dr. Richard Chan, spinal specialist who's performed over 800 spinal operations, gave me some medication uh, which was to relieve me of the pain. Hey, and I was in pain. I lost 10 pounds in two weeks from pain. Some people, people say, oh, I got such pain, I got such... Well, we do. We do, and I, 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 I have so much sympathy for people that are in pain. But on the other hand, I don't think that we, uh, uh, we, we need to subject ourselves. And so I had the morphine. I had to have a letter, so going through the airport for this bottle of morphine pills. And, uh, and my wife says, uh, I'm going to take you back there because we're going to go through the operation. If you're not, I said, yeah, I'm going to go through the operation. Even though God has spoke to me, I stood right behind this pulpit and said, God has spoke to me and said, I will be thou whole. And you that were here, remember that. And I said, furthermore, not improved, not better, but whole. And I went back to that same physician and said, do the operation. He refused. Three times he refused. And we got on the subject of the morphine. He said, I took one to get through Brother... Charlie Drake's funeral because without that I had to have my arm above my head and I was immobile and he says well he said you want to be careful they're addictive that's the last one I took why that's my testimony do what you want I'm giving my testimony since they said that's addictive I finish what are you saying brother Biscoll I'm saying I sooner do with the pain than do with the pill So, well, I'm depressed, and this kind of lifts me up. I'd sooner be depressed than have a false lift up. Yes. Hallelujah! Yes. You won't be depressed forever. You'll come out of it. We all get depressed. We all have tough times. you come out of it. I take drugs, or I take drink, or I do this, or I do that. To forget a lift up, or to get a downer, or an upper, or whatever more. Forget it! 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, forget it. Say, what shall I do? Get delivered this morning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord Jesus, have you got something for my depression? He will tell you, I do. Hallelujah. Get the Holy Ghost in your life. We got, we got all the joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Is this just rattling on? Does this mean something to you? Hallelujah. If any man defile, this is the word of God. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. Sitting here, your temples of the Holy Ghost. Which temple you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't even tell you all this account. I took three of those morphine pills. I didn't even touch the pain. So I went back to the doctor's office. He'd gone on vacation. They had a young fellow there with great big suspenders and looked like uh, uh, hiker's boots on. I looked at him. Doctor? Wow. That's different. He's one of these young ones. So I, say, I told him. I said, he's got incredible pain. I said, and the doctor gave me these because the morphine wasn't touching it. And, and, and the thing was, you don't need to hear the story, but I'll just tell you anyway. <laughs> when I told the doctor, I said, the doctor, before he went on vacation, I says, I says, these morphine, they're not even touching the pain. I said, all does cloud up my head, no pain. Well, he pulled open the drawer. He says, well, he says, I, I gave a prescription to an old fellow. He says, and he died before he got a chance to take it, so I'll just give it to you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I looked at the tag, Mr. Anderson. If there's any Mr. Anderson here, don't worry about it. And Mr. Anderson. So I stuck it in my pocket and I thought, my doctor's given me medication for a guy who's already buried and I'm supposed to start taking his medication. I don't like this. So, so I said, well, he gave me this medication. This young doctor, he took it and he looked at it. He says, you don't want to take this. I said, what is it? He said, do you want the, you know, professional name or do you want the street name? I said, just give me the street name. He said, it's heroin. He said, you could take this and never come back. I said, no, I don't think I want that. And he held it over the garbage can. He says, with your permission. I said, you have it. He just dropped it. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, friends. In seven weeks, I hooked into a channel that morphine knows nothing about that heroin knows nothing about and the doctor knew nothing about and was completely healed hallelujah and he's the same yesterday today and forever you believe it he's ready to do the same things Hallelujah. You have a responsibility to your soul. He said, it's truth. Your soul feeds on something. And whatever the characteristic of your soul is, 
That's what it'll show forth. I'm closing now in just a moment, but here's a big one. God is entrusted with you, every person. I'm not preaching to one or two people. I'm preaching to this whole congregation. You young ladies, young fellows, God has actually given you an influence. You're going to influence somebody. You're going to influence them Godward. You're going to influence them downward, or you won't influence them at all. And God has given you an influence. Brother Branham said, someone, you are influencing somebody. By your conversation, by what you say, by your manner, by your demeanor, by how you approach things, you're influencing people. Better take this very serious, friends. God's going to hold us accountable. He's going to say, I gave that to you. And what did you do with it? Young people, I know maybe you're, you're just going to camp. But let me tell you something. To just live a light, frivolous, nothing life. To be just, to, you know, to be able to talk about the st- hockey statistics or the NBA statistics, or what this idol and that idol, or some celebrity and what they're doing and what they're doing, that is worse than, that is less than empty. You can influence someone to be, uh, to have less interest or more interest in spiritual things. You can interest. Parents were under solemn. I wish I could go back and have my family again. And I can tell you with what I know now, I would certainly have done things even differently in our home. We had a quiet home. We had a very peaceful home. That was fine. But I would have, I would have had more of the word. I would have had more of the message. I just would have had more of it. I would have exposed them to more of it. You know what, friends? God's put something in my heart, and I've just got to close, but God's put something in my heart. I realize that I'm here also to influence, and I want to influence you Godward. Do you know that there's several hundred messages? We've talked about the hub and all the rest of it. Do you know there's several hundred messages, and God has spoken to my heart, I said, I want you to digest those messages that have never been printed. And when I speak something to you and quicken it to you, I want you to bring that to the people. So that it will inspire you and say, I've got to have that message. And you'll be going to the desk and saying, print that message out for me, Sister Debbie. I need that message. I need to hear that. I need to feed on that. That's more important than the next newspaper that comes to your door or whatever else or the next sales magazine or the next whatever, whatever. That's more important. Do you agree with that? We are responsible for our influence. And I'm just going to read these quotes and then I'm, going to, I'm done because my time is up. In the message, Influence. 
He said that Uzziah had a very uh, fine mother and a father, and this young king was crowned at a young age, and quickly he's taken the road that was right. Quickly he took the road that was right because of the influence of a godly father and a godly mother. Listen to me, please. We endure things, and families have hard times. Many times it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. But what we allow, and uh, the way that we've structured our families, Satan gets in and plays havoc with it. Now, I know you're quiet, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not saying that because a son or daughter or family or children have gone wayward, I'm not saying that that is all the responsibility. How well I remember an old brother, and I, I was right in his home, and they, had, they were barren, and God gave them one son, one child, and they called his name Samuel. And that Samuel became a heroin addict. And he had long hair down to here, and his eyes were sunk way back in his head. And mom and dad wouldn't see him for three and four months. And he'd come home in the middle of the night and they'd find him in the basement in his room. And he'd come up. His father said to me in personal conversation, he said, I would just say to him, Samuel, Samuel, what are you doing to yourself? You can't do anything. You cannot do anything because... We gave you to God, and you are going to be a preacher. God delivered Samuel, Poe is his name, delivered him instantly from a life of heroin. And he spent some years in heroin, and God, cold turkey, delivered him completely. So I wouldn't say that the father had done something wrong. He did something right. He believed for him. Are you with me? Young people, families, husbands, wives may go a certain direction. But let, me, let it be said, we have the wherewithal. We have the material. God help me to drive this home. I believe that fathers and mothers, after hearing this service, we, it, we are under a responsibility to express and influence our families and influence our children and influence other families in the church and live down straight on the line. God help me. He said he quickly took it. He says, and I think that that's a fine example for we parent today is to set an example before our children. Now he says, you'll live the best and your worst at home. God help us. He says the children are watching. Not only are they watching, but the neighbors are watching. Not only are the neighbors are watching, all that you are associated with 
watch you. The people at your church watch you. The people that you do business with in the markets, they're watching you. After your, after your confession, and we should always try to reflect Christ in everything that we do. I say, God bless you. I trust you're able to take these things. God has allotted to you your health. God has allotted to you your time. God has allotted to you your influence. God has even given you an allotment called your soul. And you're the one responsible for what you're going to feed on. God has allotted all of this to you. And that's what we will give answer for. That's what the scripture means when every man, every man, Paul said, every man, every person will give an account of the things done in his flesh. Every person will give an account. Our sins, as Brother Branham said in the foundation of the scripture, they are forgiven, never to be remembered again. This, what I'm speaking about, has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with your life your rewards and your conduct and what God has entrusted to us. Hey folks, this has been so heavy on my heart. I hope I'm able to convey it to you in such a way. It is this word that God has given to us that we are so responsible for. He gave them all his goods. And I want, I, I, I'm praying, I'm praying that, that, that you won't be able to move away from this, that it will, excuse me for putting it this way, but I, I'm asking that it'll haunt you. That this message will actually haunt you and stay on your mind. That it'll be there when you're at the dinner table, you'll think about what was said. All I'm doing is echoing what he said. You'll think about your influence. You'll think about your association. When you go to transact some business, you'll be thinking about this. When things go sideways, when you get under pressure, when you get under tension. God knows all about it. The prophet said we have pressure. Okay. There was such an important part. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. And I think we, I've set that for March the 1st. I already gave the time, March the 1st, for communion. And I was so moved in connection with the message today. Brother Branham said that Jesus was our example. And you know, in a church like this, we have relationships with people. And we have people that perhaps we have favor. Uh, you know, we, we just get along so nice with them. But I thought of Jesus. Just give me about two minutes. I thought of Jesus. And where he did use one time, he used this example. He said, I have given you an example. And this is, what is, this, is, this is a very deliberate move on his part. The Bible says the supper was over. He riseth from the supper. He gird, girded himself with a towel. I mean, all of these are steps, very special steps. He's leaving an example. 
and he girded himself with a towel. He didn't go and say, Deacons, do you have some water in a basin? Which is fine, we do it now to expedite it. But I'm talking about the way he did it. He went and got a basin. He put water in it. He came to the disciples and he began to wash their feet and wipe them with a towel. I mean, you talk about, you should read it, and there's seven deliberate steps that he took to be an example to us. And then he said, I've given you an example. You should do as I have done. How incredible. Uh, an example of humility. He wasn't just saying, you know, oh, this is because we're having communion, we just wash each other's feet, and, you know, and, and, and say a little prayer over one another. Somehow it was deeper. You know what, friends? I look at that life, and I desire to have that, to be able to reflect that example. And not just the motions, not just this, not just the towel, not just, you know, going, not just the water, not the basin, not just that. What was in him? What was in his heart when he did that? That's what I desire. It's not the basin, not the water, not the towel, but what was in his heart. Oh God, reflecting in Jesus Christ. Let that be our example when we have our communion service. May the Holy Spirit come and make this a reality to you. Would you like to stand with me? Our precious Lord, Jesus, Jesus. How sweet and lovely that name is. Lord Jesus, I, I am, I feel a sense of humility because I'm looking on the faces of these people and people that you saw before the foundation of the world, before there was a sun to shine, before there were stars in the sky. And in your great mind and thought, you had individuals that were going to come and reflect you at a certain time, at a certain season. And you have delivered to us your goods. And this day before this congregation of people, I say, what lovely, how wonderful are these goods. How blessed we are, O oh Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be good stewards of these goods. Lord, so personal today, but I thought of those that made tapes. I thought of Brother Lance. I thought of the sisters that worked in the office. I thought of the letters that were written, the envelopes that were licked, the work that was done, so that somebody could have some bread, so that somebody could have a drink, 
And here we are today, Lord, and I'm praying for your blessing upon the people that are scattered around the world and those that are carrying your word. And here we have Lord Brother Tony and Sister Rebecca, oh God. They're totally dependent upon you. This has to be something that you will orchestrate and you will do. That you will speak to someone's heart, oh God. You will open doors in the name of Jesus Christ. The light is greater than the darkness. Let the darkness, oh God, be banished, I pray. And let the true light shine and give words, oh God. For Brother Tony to speak, Father, and may they put forth the goods that you've delivered to us. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Every person that is here, Lord, the young people are going to set themselves aside at the camp. And Lord, Brother Danny, Danny Stevens that's coming, I pray that you will give him words that he never ever thought to speak. And may there be a supernatural time. And here today, Lord, I came to the pulpit, came to this service, very much moved, very much affected by the, by the very atmosphere, Lord, hearing your prophet declaring, and I will declare it, it is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and today, and today. You're the same today. We need you today, Lord. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, today, oh God. There's people that are standing here that need you at this moment. I pray that you'll sweep through this body of people in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let faith be inspired through the hearing of the word. Lord, we look forward to seeing things done and accomplished for your name and for your glory. And we're here to praise you. Thank you, Lord, for the attention that the people have given being patient with me I pray Father your blessing upon everyone Lord we have children we have sons and daughters that are astray we have husbands perhaps and wives that are astray oh God oh God oh God O oh God of love and God of mercy and God of long-suffering, go to them wherever they are. Go to them now in this congregation. Praise and we lift up our voice to you. Go to them now. Seek them out. Seek them out. Bring them, Lord. Bring them, I pray. Demonstrate your power, Father. Break the bonds and break the fetters. In the name of Jesus Christ. And so shall it be according to our faith and belief. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Worthy. Uh, Yeah, in in, uh, some midnight hour. That one. What is it? Yeah, I bless your name. I bless your name. Just lead out and sing if you would, please. I bless your name. I bless your name.